God in His Holy Word has called His people to purity. Sadly, many who proclaim to be followers of Christ embrace a doctrine that proclaims sexual impurity to be acceptable. It is not. Today on Drawing Near, we see once again how false doctrine and false teachers continually seek to infect the church. So take your Bible and turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 2, and follow along as we study the church of Thyatira. Before we examine the scriptures, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we know that not only our generation, but every generation seems to be plagued with the same sinful issues. Sexual impurity is one of those. We've already seen, as you have addressed, one of those situations in these churches already. Father, we would have to be blind not to see that that's a problem today. I ask, Father, that you would help your church to see the truth about impurities and how you desire your people to be holy and pure before you. You not only desire it, you command it. And if we are not, you will judge us. Father, speak to our hearts and lives. Help us not to embrace a cultural or worldly attitude toward these things. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to examine Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. It's a little longer reading than the other churches, but we're going to take the time to read it, and then we'll examine it verse by verse. Verse 18, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. But hold fast what you have till I come, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule over them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels. As I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To begin with, the church in Thyatira was a good church. As the Lord writes to them, there is much positive that he can say about this church. But there is a glaring problem. In verse 18, we see that it is Jesus, the Son of God, who says these things. He has eyes like a flame of fire. They're piercing. 
convicting, and seeing. They know, and feet like fine brass. He's coming, he's pure, he's holy, he brings the word of God. Verse 19 says, I know your works. And we see that every single time Jesus knows the works of his church, Jesus knows your works and mine. But then he lists what he knows about the church in Thyatira. Their love, their service, their faith, patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. In other words, they're even more patient than they are loving. That's a strong positive. I mean, they're loving, but they are long-suffering as well. But that could lead to the problem that we see in verse 20 and following. Sometimes we in the church are too patient with those who are engaged in sin. We wait too long for them to come around or to be repentant or to leave the congregation. As John says in 1 John, they go out from us because they're not of us. Many who are not a part of the body of Christ will not stay. And if the word of God is faithfully proclaimed, they want no part of it. But if preaching and teaching in the church has been corrupted, then there's no problem for some in the world, for some who proclaim to know Christ but do not. There's no problem for them to remain in the church because they're comfortable. Nobody's preaching against their sin. Nobody's challenging their view of Christ or Christianity or the world. And so preaching must be biblical. It must be preaching that addresses sin and calls sinners to repentance and holds up the holy standards of the Word of God. So the church in Thyatira, they were patient. Along with being loving, having faithful service, they were patient. In verse 20 we see, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, says the Lord, because you allow or you permit that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. We saw this in Pergamos. The names were different. We saw the name Balaam. We saw the name Nicolaitan. Now we're seeing this woman Jezebel. There evidently was a female that the Lord likens to the Jezebel of the Old Testament who was in the church, who had set herself up as a prophetess. She proclaimed to know spiritual things, and she had acquired a position of leadership. She could teach. She had influence within the body of Christ. Now let's pause for just a second. No individual who is not a true believer, who has not been tested to see whether they are genuine, should have leadership within the church. There are many churches out there who believe that everybody is welcome in the church, and they are welcome to attend, but they're not welcome to be leaders. They're not welcome to have influence in the body of Christ. The church is made up of saved individuals who are seeking to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in their walk with Christ. The church is not a community organization. It is the called-out ones of God. And so we need to understand the church is to be the church. And those who do not embrace biblical teaching should not have influence within the church. And the church in Thyatira had allowed this woman to have this kind of influence in the church, to teach and to seduce the servants of Christ, and we are his servants, no one else's, to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols.
Jesus says, And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. Isn't that an amazing statement? Jesus, in his patience, gave this individual, or these individuals, opportunity and time to repent, to see the truth, to know the truth, and to repent. But some who stand opposed to the things of Christ, even though they're confronted with their sin, will not repent. And so Jesus says in verse 22, Indeed, the fact is, I will cast her into a sickbed. I will make her sick. And those who commit adultery with her, he will cast into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. Do you notice the amazing thing here? Even as Jesus is passing judgment, his desire on this woman and those who listen to her is repentance. He tells them what the judgment is going to be unless they repent. Cast her on her sickbed, hoping she repents. Those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent. Then in verse 23, we see this. I will kill her children with death. If they do not repent, those who follow her teaching will be killed. Not just made sick, not just put out of the church, not just have rough times. They will be killed. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. Jesus Christ knows our heart and mind. You may not be engaged in sexual immorality, but you may not stand opposed to it. You may give in to it in your heart and mind. Jesus knows our thoughts. Jesus knows where we compromise. And sexual immorality, as we have already seen in this second chapter of Revelation, is a major issue with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a major problem within the church of all ages and it continues to be one in our church today. He goes on and says at the end of verse 23, And I will give each one of you according to your works. Each individual in the body of Christ, Jesus Christ is going to address our works, whether they are faithful. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Whether they are of wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stone, our works are going to be judged. And we're going to receive from the Lord Jesus in accordance with our works. He sees, he knows, he searches our hearts and minds, and he is going to reward us accordingly. Then in verse 24, we read, Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, and do not know the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. In other words, keep doing what you're doing because not everyone's been corrupted by this doctrine. And those who have not, each one of you, I'm not going to put an additional burden on you. Just keep loving and serving, being faithful and patient. Do what you're supposed to do, and do not permit these individuals to have leadership in the church. That goes all the way back up to verse 20 when he says, I have a few things against you. Do not allow corrupt, perverted doctrine, false doctrine, into the church. Fight the good fight. Verse 25, hold fast what you have till I come. In other words, persevere. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Isn't that an amazing promise? To those who endure until the end, to those who overcome, to those who continue in the Holy Spirit and producing the works of Christ, 
To him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my Father. In other words, we will receive from the Lord Jesus Christ the same power over the nations that he has received from his Father. And then he says, I will give him the morning star, another promise of eternal life and salvation. Verse 29, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And those who have an ear are those who follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, who are sensitive to the spiritual things of God, and who listen, who obey. And I pray that each and every one of us has an ear to hear, because this letter applies to us today in a very real and penetrating way. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these letters that convict us and draw us to holiness and purity before you. Father, it's very, very easy with our music and with our television, with our movies, with our media, to embrace, even slowly over time, the impure doctrines and teachings of the world. And we want people to come to you, and we want people to come into our churches. And sometimes we do not have a very high standard for leadership within the body of Christ. Someone new comes in, they're well-liked, they have talent. Somebody appears to be acceptable in the beginning, and we do not test them. And then they begin to teach false teaching, and we let it go. And then we don't want a confrontation. We don't want a split. We don't want a problem. Father, we cannot compromise your truth. Help us, Father, to be authentic, to be pure, and to be faithful. To look toward those promises that you've given to us that will come to those who overcome, who endure. Help us to endure. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.